0: People love to be us. They swoop out of the sky and it saves the day. It's fucking Diabolical. They're all of them. All of them.
1: Yeah.
0: I heard my French fuck, those fuckers. we got the boys together. It's Suicide it's called after the snoops.
2: Welcome, everybody, to episode 87 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks.
1: Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader.
2: And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective.
1: And what we also like to do is we love to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. And what we also love is when you can head over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a five-star review. And this really helps us to grow the show and gets us out there to other listeners. So, Chris, welcome back, first of all. Good to have you back from holiday.
2: Yeah, very well, Dave. had a great time, but I'm raring to podcast once again.
1: I kind of guessed that because you uh, left me a little Comics in Motion-style voicemail, which was quite nice. (laughs) 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 Which I wasn't expecting, to be honest, but I know what you mean. Obviously, we were recording a a few episodes ahead of time so we could both have a a little bit of time off, but... um, It 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 did create a little bit of a void, I must admit. It did, Dave. I mean, we've done nearly three months solid of podcasting,
2: nearly every single day, and we both, you know, like any job you do, and it's you know this is a a fun project that we absolutely love. It's it's a hobby for us both, but when you do it for so long, and we weren't just doing one episode some days, we were doing three. It's a heck of a a grind in it really more than anything so when we saw the light at the end of the tunnel of having a break was fantastic but by about the fourth day out I was thinking oh I wonder what Dave's doing we could be doing a podcast (laughs) so I I just threw out there to you the intro of the podcast which you duly replied with your intro as always Dave it was just one of them daft things but it had to be done
1: (laughs) no it was good I I miss you too mate (laughs) <laughs> always, mate. Always, but it was good, wasn't it? Because rather than spending time podcasting, because we've done mostly movies of late, but you know, and it's it's a bit more difficult to cram in in a series. You know, it just takes up a lot more time, doesn't it? But this time we were able to cram in the boys while you were on holiday there, oh, and there was no pun intended at all in that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs>
2: Well, to be fair, Dave, as you just said, there's no way we could have physically started and ended that series or this series by doing it anyway than just having a little mini break for us both so it was perfect and oh, i can't wait to get into the review dave i've got to be honest with you
1: yeah so let's get into a, a little bit of comics background about this one because it is quite interesting i think or if you're a comic book nerd like me it's interesting so the boys is a comic book series and that was created by garth ennis and artist derek robertson and it debuted back in october 2006 so Pretty recent, really. Garth Ennis's most notable work really came out of the 90s with his Preacher series, and that gained a lot of popularity, and that's got a real cult following. And We haven't reviewed Preacher, but that shows on Amazon Prime as well in the UK, and that, that's something we might revisit at, at some point as well. Now, initially it was published by Wildstorm, which is an imprint of DC, but it was abruptly cancelled after Issue 6. Now, according to Garth Ennis, it was really because of the anti-superhero themes, and and I'm sure the fact that the the characters in the series are very closely related to the Justice League, that probably had a lot to do with it being cancelled. And... As soon as it was cancelled, they also cancelled plans on collecting those first issues, so normally what they'll do is collect, say, six issues and put that out as a book on its own, and and they call those trade paperbacks, and so they cancelled all of that, and they really wanted to wash their hands of it, and the series was picked up by a company called Dynamite Entertainment, which wasn't an obvious choice. Now, Dynamite were founded in 2005 and focused mainly on comic adaptations of kind of licensed and public domain properties. So they have titles like Terminator, Army of Darkness, I think that's where they started out, Robocop, Red Sonja, Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, really books like that. Now, as well as carrying on the series, they also were able to collect that first six issues, and the forward was by Simon Pegg, whose likeness they actually used for the character of Huey. So that was quite cool. Now, after that, the boys ran up Right to issue 72, and Ennis basically reflected on that and said it. The series really benefited from the move to Dynamite, as it gave him more freedom than it would have done at DC. I think, you know, there would have been a lot more editorial control and input there, whereas I, I'm pretty sure Garth Ennis was just given free reign to do whatever he wanted by Dynamite. So a little bit of a different one there, certainly. You know, a, a comic book series outside of those big two companies. Now, Chris, how about the series background? Yeah, so going back to 2008, for eight years up to
2: 2016, there was a film adaption in the works. Columbia took hold of it, first of all, and then it was passed over to Paramount, but nothing actually came to fruition. And then in April 2016, they actually announced that Cinemax was developing a television series adaption of of the comic books. Now, production was being developed by Eric Kripke, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, which we do get a cameo of Seth Rogen within the series. Now, Goldberg and Rogen had to jump off the directing just due to other scheduling, unfortunately. So Dan Trachtenberg actually directed the whole first series of the show. Now it was announced in November 2017 that it was going to Amazon Video stroke Amazon Prime. And they basically give it a full production run of eight episodes for the first series. Now, What they didn't say was Amazon had actually had it in pre-production before they announced it, so it was sort of ahead of the schedule, and it was on course for an early 2019 release. Now, it did obviously come out in August 2019, so it's not too bad, really. It got pushed back slightly, but more to scheduling. Now, the marketing, Dave, which I find really interesting, because I'd seen the posters up where I live in Manchester for the last couple of weeks, and one of the walls near my house is like a billboard, and obviously... You know, they're very clever now, the marketing in a lot of these companies and that. And the way they've done it, I don't know if you've seen it where you live, Dave, but they've actually made the posters look like they've been up for years. So you had Homelander, you've got Billy Butcher, and I think you've got A-Train on the posters, but they're all faded out. So it looks like someone's actually drew them, like a graffiti artist, but they've been weathered. And I'd seen it for weeks, not realising what it was. And obviously you said to me, Chris, you need to watch this, The Boys. And I was like, "All oh, right." right. And you said to me a couple of times, like, you know, it's, it's a new series on Amazon. And I didn't twig. And then when we decided we were going to review it and I started watching it, I, I was thinking, I've gone past that nearly every day for the last four, four to five weeks and nobody realised what it was. So very clever... Subtle marketing, and it had been around Manchester a lot. I mean, I don't know, was it near you at all, Dave? Did you see any marketing?
1: I saw a little bit, but um, where, as you say, clever marketing? I'm, I'm not sure it is. Is it if you, if you see it constantly every day and don't realise what it is? <laughs> 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 you know, wasn't there that uh, Robin Williams movie back in the '80s where they did kind of all the obvious advertising? You know, I just remember like you know, Volvo's—they're boxy. But they're good. <laughs> you know, all this very, very subtle marketing. It's no good if no one actually sees the poster and then thinks, oh, I'll give that a go.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe my idea of marketing is not correct because you are right when you explain it like that. It actually makes sense because I didn't put two and two together. It was just, I love the style of the poster, what they've gone for. is very, very yeah. clever for the way they've done it. Really interesting. Now, at the New York Comic Con in October 2018, the whole cast was on there and showed off a teaser trailer, and then the second teaser trailer was released in January 2019. Now, and also, Seth Rogen actually released that as well by via his own Twitter account, because even though he couldn't direct it, he was still on board, Dave, fall away from the start in, mm-hmm. in the production. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 82% based on 76 reviews with an average user rating of 7.56 out of 10, which, again is really good, especially the user rating. That, that's really clever. On Metacritic, is it 73 out of 100. That's based on 16 reviews. And then one of the things I wanted to jump in there, usually I throw in the cine score at this point, Dave, but because obviously it's not a movie release, it's not going to release in the cinema, there's just something else I wanted to bring up, which I found really, really interesting. Now, obviously Amazon Prime's come in four or five years after Netflix. Netflix is the godfather of streaming, but Amazon has got some really good shows on there. We've both watched different things over the last couple of years. that have been really good. Jennifer Salt, the head of Amazon Studios, has actually said they won't give out any sort of predictions as they do like Netflix, what the viewership was. But she says, and I quote, we are thrilled that the boys have surpassed our predictions of viewing in the first two weeks and has become one of the most watched Amazon original series by our prime customers. And I think actually it's the most watched Amazon Prime series at this point, Dave, which is fantastic. And that, you know, sums it all up for me. So that's what I've got today for the series background.
1: Very good, very good. And with that, should we get into our trailer? Let's go. The greatest superhero team the world's ever seen The
0: Seven. <laughs>
2: Is there anything I can help you with? I'm not going to piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. (laughs) Supes lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't
1: stop. Robin! That's where I mean the the boys are coming in. Spank the bastards when they get out of line.
0: Can you control her, please? You need to unclench your asshole. Why don't I'm you two carry on like a bunch of fucking twins? No, you no, 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 no. got a fucking job to do. <laughs> I'm invincible, stupid motherfuckers. I'm the world's greatest superhero. I can do whatever the fuck I want. We're on the verge of nailing these wankers. I'm done. Oi, what's Sporty Spice up to?
1: Who sporty fucking spice what's she up to i don't know and baby not even page six of the daily mail you see when they're apart they're absolute fucking rubbish
0: but you put them together they're the goddamn fucking spice girls the point is we need each other we're fucking dead in the water jesus he gives the worst pep talks he really really does
1: You just okay. pulled the fucking
0: trigger. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> We're the seven, Earth's most mighty motherfucker. Please, 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 no, please. Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. You wanna be my lover. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing, newly streaming, classic, and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com and subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OneMoviePunch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash OneMoviePunch. We'll see you there.
1: Now we meet Huey Campbell who has a fairly mundane existence. He's going out with his girlfriend Robin. and he's got an okay job there working in a in a electrical high high street store it looks like. And basically his his girlfriend is taken out by a high velocity impact by the superhero A-Train who is part of the Seven Superhero team. Now lawyers from Vault basically give Huey an offer which he isn't very keen to accept but uh it's very clear that vault wants to keep all of this hush hush and under wraps. We also meet the superhero wannabe Starlight who's accepted a role in becoming part of the 7. But as we can see through her eyes, the 7 is not all it's cracked up to be and the deep offers are a uh, an introduction into uh what what life is really like. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess um before we get deeper into this first episode, the pilot there, Chris. I mean, what what's your initial thoughts? I mean, we we talked about this for a few weeks. I've been prodding you to to have a watch of this. What were your thoughts as we got into this one?
2: As you've you know introduced the start of the story there, Dave. That bit with Huey, just like a normal lad, I'm thinking, are we going to get a sort of... Is he going to become some sort of superhero? He had a basic knowledge of what it was about, but I didn't understand that, you know, obviously never had the reference point with the comics and that. And when his girlfriend Robin gets taken out, I was just like, okay, because he had blood... It was a slow-motion bit, he had blood all over his face, there was guts <laughs> everywhere, all in slow-mo, and then he lifts his hands up, and he's got a hands there, and that's it, there's bone, there's, there's no... The one thing I found with this, Dave, especially in this first half an hour, I was like, holy shit, what is this? It it really, really was not what I was expecting at all. <laughs>
1: And I think that that is very Garth Ennis, you know, very, very graphic. And, and that scene is, is almost the same in the comics, where he's just holding on to the arms there uh, after being taken out by A-Train. So very much in your face, straight off the bat. And, you know, we get introduced to Carl Urban, don't we? So Billy Butcher's character is. And uh, for me, old Carl Urban just steals the show straight off the bat there. He's
2: excellent, Dave. And I did say to yourself when we spoke this week. The one thing I've watched on is, I've watched on my Amazon Prime app on my phone, and if anybody's got it, it's fantastic to find out who the cast is within each scene, because if you just touch the screen, it flashes up. And I kept thinking, Carl Urban, Carl Urban, where the heck have I heard that name? And then I was thinking, (laughs) when I found out who he was, I was like oh, he was the guy slagged off in dread and absolutely hated. (laughs) But he's absolutely fantastic in this day. I know, reading the reviews, we've both said it, he's got a very much... He starts off, his English accent's pretty good, and then... As the episodes go on, it's like when I do an impression, Dave, it starts off well and it just ends up in all sorts of different <laughs> languages. And he's, he just sounds like, you said it to me, I'm stealing your line here, and I know other people have said these reviews, but he just sounds like Dave Van
1: Dyke out of Mary Poppins. <laughs> he does, and I... I I'll be honest, at first I thought, oh, he's just, he's just going with his regular Australian accent there, but uh, now it's like, oh, well, no, he is, he is trying to keep to Billy Butcher, you know. He's trying to do the old Cockney accent, but it's very much... Uh G'day, Mary Poppins. (laughs) Let's get another shrimp on the Barbie. (laughs) As I live and breathe. (laughs) (laughs) It's true because
2: I've got to give him credit, Dave. The dialogue is absolutely spot on, Cockney dialogue at the start. He's calling people wankers and. Uh, he's saying, <laughs> I'll, I won't say some of the things he says, but he says all sorts of different words that are very relevant, that me, myself and you would understand more probably than a US audience. But yeah, he comes from nowhere in this. And the more I watch it, I've got to say, Dave, and I text you this as well he's going to be my Wolverine, this man, Carl Urban. I, I just think he's got it all. He's, I know he's tall, which is the problem. They want to go with a more smaller Wolverine, and we talked about Tyron Edgerson, haven't we, a few episodes ago, and that's yeah. what was rumoured, and it's still been rumoured. But for an absolute clone of Hugh Jackman, which might not be completely right, because obviously you just replace one with another, but I thought the look and everything, the wisecracks, I thought it oh, would
1: be perfect as Wolverine for me. I think, to be honest, if it's between Carl Urban and Taron Egerton, it's Carl Urban all day for me. I know he's tall. Well, the last Wolverine in the movies was tall, so I, I think that is 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 one of those nice-to-haves for me. you know. But the fact that with those different roles that I've seen Carl Urban in now, like I say, he's Bones off the new Star Treks, and then he's Judge Dredd, and then he's Billy Butcher in this. It's like... He's, all right, maybe not quite a chameleon, but the way he gets into character, I I think he'd do a stand-up job as Wolverine, absolutely, and and I'm more convinced by that suggestion than than any other one I've heard, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure there's probably some unknown actors or unknown to me who might do a better job, but right now I can't honestly think of any of them.
2: No, no, it just it just made perfect sense as I was watching it, Dave. Whether that comes off, I don't know. But I have seen that online in some of the forums and on Twitter, people saying he's definitely the next Wolverine. And it, so there is a little bit. If it wasn't just ourselves, it's not like I read it and then came up with that feeling. It was just as I watched it, I kept thinking, I can see him. He's so he's Dave. Some of his wisecracks are so caught in this <laughs> fantastic writing.
1: Really, really good. No, it is good, and I like the way. I mean, they've they've jumbled the story a little bit. That that first six issues or that first story arc, it does follow very closely. It's probably, honestly, the comics are probably a little bit more graphic and a little bit more in your face, but um, largely the story is pretty much the same, and I like the way it unfolds. You know what? Who is this Billy Butcher? What what is his motivation? Why is he taking such an interest in Huey? I, I kind of like that that whole angle.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I do think as well, Dave, as you mentioned about Simon Pegg and using his likeness. What a bit of casting to get him in as Huey's dad as well. Because obviously, once yeah. Robin dies, Huey's at home. He's consoling himself. He doesn't want the cheque, as you said in the walkthrough there. And I the only thing I was slightly disappointed is he's, he's a massive actor. And he only plays a bit of a bit part in this. I don't know whether that was just because he's a fan of the comics or because he was used within the comics, his likeness. I'm not sure. I, I, I kept thinking at some point, is he going to be a soup? Because they call him soup, don't he? Butcher calls yeah. them soups all the way through, which I think is great. So he all the way through, he's like, he's a he's a fucking soup, him and all
1: Or something like James Blunt's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that as well. <laughs> but, yeah, and I did think maybe there was a bit of a hidden story behind Simon Pegg's character, but there wasn't. He was just a bog-standard father, really, When He was just Huey's dad who liked watching... Oh, what was he watching on the... <laughs> he was watching
1: proper rubbish American daytime TV stuff, on all the time? but the yeah. Price is Right or something? I, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but... I mean, it, it is on the order of a cameo. I mean, Simon Pegg's too old to play Huey now, you know, but, um, yeah, I think it was pretty much okay. How can we get Simon Pegg? And I think he is, like I say, he, he gave a forward for that first six issues... Uh, when it was collected. So I, I think he is a fan of the comics and like you say his likeness. And and they've done this quite often in the comics. You know, you've got um famously Samuel L. Jackson was used as uh, as Nick Fury and then years later he was cast as Nick Fury. So quite often they'll they'll do that. Actually uh, in Wanted which which we're gonna do in a few weeks uh they used Eminem now, it ended up being James McAvoy, so it, it looks nothing like him. But if you look at the comics, it's it's just Eminem. So quite often, an artist will just do that. And I, I think it's, I don't know, is it cheaper than hiring a uh, an actor for yourself to use a life model? <laughs> 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 just take the likeness of someone famous and say, oh, "All right, I'll, I'll use them. Yeah, that's a good
2: point, actually. Very good point. Now, now Dave, there's two things on top of Billy Butcher, Carl Over's performance that I absolutely love in this series. One of them is because since about 1984, I was madly in love with Elizabeth Shue, who absolutely plays the part of Madeleine Stilwell. Fantastic. The absolute neurotic, power-crazy sort of CEO of Vault. And but Dave, she's still really, really attractive. You know, she must be late 50s now. What I remember in Cocktail, Adventures of Babysitter, obviously you could tell a stalk to when it was a kid, Dave, from Karate Kid. Uh, back to the Future too. Back to the Future yeah. So And it'd be great to see her in this, Dave, and she still looks
1: really, really pretty. She is still pretty smoking hot, to be fair. <laughs> she's really good. And she plays a great part, though, as well, to be fair. I wasn't even, honestly, I wasn't sure she was acting still because with what we saw with Cobra Kai, and, and in the f- we didn't see her in the first series or the second series, I thought, well, if she was still acting, they'd probably get her in just for a, a little cameo there. But because she hadn't been in, I just kind of assumed without doing any research at all, that she probably doesn't act anymore. But no, it's, it was great to see her on screen. And, and to be honest, I had no clue. So it was just... A nice surprise when she appeared on screen there. And like you say, she's this, she's got biggest, the biggest balls out of everyone in the room, pretty much, hasn't she? You know, she plays this, this quite, um, not kick-ass, but very powerful woman leader there.
2: Yeah, she is, to be fair, really is. And obviously, within the first episode, we get this whole incident with Starlight, who joins the Seven, and she ends up having to... Well, she, she gets actually roped in by Kevin, you know, The Deep. Who's, the deep. Yeah, The Deep, who's the fish guy. Um, that basically, he's Homelander. Homelander's the leader of the seven. We haven't seen him for about the first half hour. We don't know who he is yet. And if she wants to play within the team, she's going to do a bit of a Bill Clinton to get within the team, Dave, don't we? And, and we realise that he's just played her. He said he's his number two. He's not. And they're all saying about Homeland <laughs> and she's been sick, Dave. I mean, at that point, I was thinking, oh, it's one of those superhero movies, <laughs> <for> a series. <laughs> the parodies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I mean, I, I love, I think what this does in that first episode, it, it just gets you into this very murky world. You know, it takes that whole superhero genre and turns it upside down. And it just says, well, if someone did have all of these powers, would they be completely honorable? Would they be the ultimate Boy Scout like Clark Kent or Kalel? Or, you know, would they abuse that? And this is definitely on the. Nope, they're going to abuse it side of the, the fence. And again, it, they changed it a little bit from the from the comics. I think you know it was led by Homelander actually, um, and then there was a couple of others. I think there was, uh, I think it was A Train and, and Black Noir. I think it was, and, and so she had to do three in the comics. <laughs> but and we get introduced to Queen Mave as well, and and you get the impression that well she's had to get on her knees a bit as well and and just but don't she gives us some advice that you know don't let people see you like this and so again you're sort of like you know i, I mean people who haven't read the comics must be thinking what the hell is going on and not just that. When she says that, she walks out the toilet, Starlight does, and
2: there's translucent with nothing on. You see a full frontal of him, oh, and he's, yeah. like, very interesting, <laughs> and he's in the women's toilets. And he, the first episode, he keeps popping up in the women's toilets with no clothes on because, obviously, he's invisible, isn't he? Which is
1: just... <laughs> yeah, we get, it's very seedy. It's almost like old London Soho, isn't it? You know, this very seedy club where... You know, all sorts is going on, and he shows him that you know A Train's got absolutely zero remorse about killing his girlfriend, and you know has a bit of a laugh about it. In fact, so so he manages to get Huey on side through showing him that.
2: Yeah, he does, and as we get introduced to Ezekiel, he's sort of evangelist, isn't he? For Capes for Christ, and he's all against like gay marriage, gay relationships. But yet yeah, he's there with two blokes, isn't he, Dave? And wrapping his elastic, yep. stretch Armstrong body round him, shall we say? So he was having a whale <laughs> of his whale of a time, that guy. But I've got to say, Dave, Anthony Starr plays Homelander. Now, Homelander, for anybody listening who's not seen the series, is basically Superman. Any really, Dave? He's, he's got all the powers yep. of Superman. Yep. He wears a cape suit with him. He's got the American. Uh, Star's Spangled Banner, it's all on his case. He's got everything that you would think true American. He's got the bleach blonde there, slick back. Now, Anthony Starr plays him. He's out of a series that has been on my radar for years and I've never watched it. I've always watched clips on YouTube of the, like the fighting of that called Banshee. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Dave. No, no. And it's really good and he's the main lead, like, copper in it who's sort of like he's proper tough and he's always fighting and everything and it's always one of these these series I kept thinking, i've got to watch it. and also of my friends have watched and said it's brilliant so to see him flipped on the other side for me i think he's as good dave i'm gonna i'm gonna say something now you might misquote me but i think he's as good as the kingpin in daredevil for being an absolute horrible baddie you just want to get his co opens.
1: I I think he's up there. I think he doesn't. Uh, Like I say, I've not seen him in anything before. And honestly, I've been blown away by him. I think he the way he switches from that kind of sickly sweet Boy Scout kind of Superman figure to this sinister, you know, character who's really only in for his own reasons. You know, we see as the series go on, you know, he seems to be this puppet, doesn't he, a Vought? for a little while but you get to find out well he's in it for his own reasons and he is sinister as hell isn't he and I just think he plays an absolute fantastic baddie. He does to be fair and every episode centres around
2: everyone loves him and I think what I love about this Dave is everyone loves him and I know we've talked about when we reviewed various different movies like Batman and Superman and I'm sure people out there have thought these sort of things but even daft things like Did they go to the toilet superheroes? Did they have a real life? This is showing, pretty much like most people who work on TV, uh, when the cameras aren't rolling, they're pretty much arseholes who are all self-indulgent and only out for themselves. But when the camera's on, they're happy to have a picture with the check for comic relief or, or, you know, the cat's been taken out of a tree and they've rescued it and all this. They're happy for all that PR. But in reality, working with a lot of these people and having done it, uh, for a few times, is they're absolute arseholes, Dave, and I think that's what I loved about this, and, and loved the fact that it's showing that really, everything's just a PR trip, and it's like, a, in some respects it, it parodies the political system within the world, it parodies TV, movies, that happen, now where you think through social media, why someone's so good. And it's something that's played out in this series so well about the points on social media. And here's this speech, and this is what you need to do. And that's what they say about presidents, don't they, and things like that. It's all predetermined. They're actual real people who run the countries and stuff. Are the the suits sat behind them? It's not the ones in front. They're, They're like a mouthpiece. And some of the stuff in this, but it's it's really political as well. It's not just about how bad Homelander is or some of the seven are or what's going on. Yeah. It's it's really really clever writing. I think it's it's fantastic to be honest.
1: It is absolutely, and you know we get to see, don't we, that there's all kinds of pieces moving. And I guess what I really like about this whole um, this whole series is that it just. It inverts everything. So you've got the superheroes who are just essentially a bunch of douchebags, but they're controlled by this corporation. Now, remember in the in the Marvel universe, you know, old Captain America, he was fighting against being controlled by the government. And so you, you kind of think, well, if you've got a government or any organization really controlling what heroes do, then this is the kind of place where you c- could end up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got the boys who are essentially the villains to the superheroes, but they're our protagonists, aren't they? I mean, they're not particularly nice people, you know, but but they're the ones we're really rooting for.
2: Yeah, again, fantastic writing. And uh, i tell you what, Dave, I'm watching. <laughs> for me, the first section of the film was all about A-Train and his relationship with his girlfriend, who's obviously this movie star with the claws wanting...
1: And oh, the pop claw, yeah. The pop claw, and,
2: <laughs> and you know, she's really a really attractive girl, and we, we get to a Huey sort of says to Billy and that, that he can get in and, and sort of bug her house, and if he can get into a computer, he'll, he'll be able to get the cameras on and that. So he goes in there, and, he, and obviously by this point, they've, they've got... Marvin on board, aren't they? You know, mother's milk, and they've got Frenchy as well, who don't like each other. And Marvin's a sort of rehabilitation centre for youth offenders. And he, you know, they pretty much move in with Billy and and get into the gang, but they all go and, and do a computer. Now, obviously, A Train's met Huey and tried to do this half arse apology, Annie, about what he did, and he's so sorry, but. A Train yeah, doesn't yeah. remember, but they put the cameras on. A Train bumps into him, doesn't even think who he is because he's so self indulged. And this is where it all, the whole series unravels about what it's about is this um, compound V, which is like a steroid in it for superheroes. As I'm quoting what Billy Butcher says, but that's what he calls it. <laughs> but yeah. The bit where. She gets rumbled uh, because she owes the rent, and he A Train lets her down because he's got this big race, honey, which he wins because he's on the compound against yeah, yeah. the other guy. And then she goes, oh, she owes the rent to this sort of <laughs> like this Romanian or Kosovan or something. <laughs> she just goes, um, would you like to come in? Yeah, to pay. You know, is there other ways to pay the rent? Next minute she's <laughs> sat on his face, going, <laughs> eat that ass, eat that ass, for. she's obviously got claws, when she obviously orgasms, she chops his head off and decapitates him, but they've got it on film and they jump in then and and blackmail but I thought that was, I was sat there going, oh my God. And I had to put the phone next to me because (laughs) there was kids around me and I'm thinking if someone sees that, they're like,
0: what the (laughs) hell is that?
1: (laughs) Well, again, I love this kind of, um, you know, taking that idea of these superpowers and just having them in, in with a bit of a dose of reality. So, and, and there's a constant theme that, you know, when when someone orgasms, their powers kick in. And when they're in that little group, you know, where there, it's like a recovery group from, uh, you know, people who've been affected by the soups. And you get that one guy, and he was he was obviously sleeping with the woman who had uh, ice powers, <laughs> and he said he was like, "You know he was loving it, but then she orgasmed and and then very briefly, she froze, <laughs> and then his cock snapped off <laughs>
2: minus 300 degrees. <laughs>
1: it 's just like well, yeah, i guess, I guess if you did have something like you know an iceman or someone like that, you know it's uh, that sort of stuff could happen, yeah, it could,
2: and <laughs> you then we then get introduced in that meeting to Mesmerizer, which is the young lad out of the sixth sense as well it is yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't expecting him as well, yeah, so he 's there as you know he 's sort of talking, and then so yes, yeah, so it 's Marvin who goes to this meeting, and obviously he gets mesmerised and does a bit of blackmailing and gets him to see his kid because his daughter doesn't really know him. And he's, it shows him he was sort of like a TV star for years, wanting on a show, and, and it's a very, very dated show, but very clever. And they then get him on board then to help him. But again, he's a soup, he's an absolute double-cross merchant, and it ends up being that he goes to see Kimiko, who's the... Asian girl, that friend she stuck on board, she's a soup who's an absolute maniac, and she killed a load of people. She was in a cage, wasn't it? And they rescued her, thinking they were doing, doing the right thing. But they didn't realise that she was an absolute... It's like Tasmanian devil, really. So they get mesmerised. Well, what's funny is he puts his hand to hers, and she breaks his his wrist. And I was like, oh, my word, there's no, there's no bounds in this series for gruesome and gore. It's just all out. Top of the tree, you can get as gruesome as anything I've seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's just part of the gang, really. But from what I remember from the comics, I I don't think we get such a a drawn-out introduction. But she's essentially like a Wolverine, isn't she? You know, she's got the healing powers and everything. She's got a bit of berserker rage about her. So that's how I saw her. I was just like this this female Wolverine, or more recently, you know, X-23 or Honey Badger, someone like that. So, yeah, no, but but really good. I mean, we, we probably skipped over, didn't we? I mean, the way Huey really gets some skin in the game is he um, accidentally blows up translucent, doesn't he? I mean, proper. <laughs> if you weren't sure that this was like an R-rated <laughs> series, then, you know, when he's got this explosion, uh, explosive device rammed up his Jaxi and uh, sets it off to spray blood absolutely everywhere, then it's like, yep, yep, this is not a your regular superhero movie or no. series.
2: No, <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. And, and I'm, I will say one of the most harrowing bits of the series came about halfway through was where Homelander and Queen Maeve uh, would actually go Ooh, and try and... rescue. yeah, res- yeah. Try, I, I'll tell you what, Dave, I've not watched someone for a long time that I was that invested in when I was watching the screen going, you bastard. And they go to rescue this plane... It, which has been kept, captured by terrorists, and it's in the middle of the ocean, so they get there in less of no time, rip the door off. The only thing I say about that is there's no suction going on at all, is there really, when they... Uh, the, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's a, bit, it's a bit, suspend disbelief a little bit. Yeah,
2: yeah, there's a little bit of... But again, it's not taking anything away, but what happens next is Homelander takes out all of these terrorists, and then Queen Maeve does as well, but he just decides he's going to leave them. She's saying to him, "Isn't she like? Look, just fly the
1: plane." Well, and he's—it's he, he... It, the one, so so he can't hold up a plane. So so he takes out all of the ones in the main cabin, and then there's one more, isn't there? Who's holding the pilot? To, yes, not to ransom, but kind of you know he's he's saying, "Bugger off!" Or you know I'll kill him. And he ends up, you know, using his laser vision, and he takes out. You know, he basically cuts his terrorist in half, but also all the controls and everything are, are then just redundant it's all broken so there's essentially not a a great deal he's caused it but it's the nonchalant way the way he's like you know he's been he's been basking in all the glory you know hey it's homelander everyone loves him and then especially with like the little girl as well and you can see that Maeve you know is really struggling with well can't we can't we just save you know one or two or you know, and he's like, Well no, because then then they could tell everyone what really happened. And and yeah the way that scene unfolded I thought was really, really powerful. I, I completely agree with you there.
2: Yeah, it was the highlight of the series to be honest. And then what makes it worse day, which makes the for me the absolute ultimate bad guy. Because we have had you know, Madeline Stilwell's pulling at him all the time and she's very much sort of innuendo and she's always, like, rubbing up against him, in she? He obviously has a big thing for her. She's got a baby, which we obviously realise is a soup baby. But we don't see any of its powers and she's really cradling it. She's looking after it and a couple of times she's sort of... Undone a bra, aren't she? And he lies on her chest and all this. And he, everything she's doing is just like total sexual innuendo. And he obviously absolutely is fascinated by her. But, but he, for me, at this point, was when the whole turn come when I was like, you are not... You always say it, Dave, and I think it's a great line you've said over many, many episodes, is he's not a redeemable character. There's nothing that he's done so far is redeemable. It's not like a Billy where, yeah, he's done a few bad things, but he's not, like, gone out and wanted and kill people or anything like that. He's just somebody who's got a vendetta because of what's happened. He is on the good guy's side. Homeland is just an out-and-out bastard, and I absolutely loved him. And and it's then, at the speech, when they're all there, the whole families are there with the pictures, and Queen Maeve has to go off because she just cannot stand there and he he tries to like talk to her dunny and everything and she's having none of it. She's totally like, it makes me sick, and I just thought that was, oh, it was so good to watch, because you were at the screen like you, but if I had tomatoes, Dave, you would have got a few of them at
1: his head, I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is that just complete sociopath, isn't he, He can just completely disconnect any empathy with, with anyone he's dealing with, and like you say, to spin that story, and say, you know, well, if the government had uh, uh, let us know, and included us in all of these communications, we'd have made it on time, and we could have saved these people. And so everyone's thinking, yeah, yeah, I can believe that, you know, bastard government, you know. (laughs) so It's just, oh, you complete psycho, you know, and I, I guess... You say he's not a redeemable character. He's absolutely not. But they did show us a few things, didn't they? So the way he was brought up, he was essentially brought up in isolation, so he had no nurturing at all. I think when Starlight, you know, when she first sees him, he looks like he's staring at a picture of himself and he's actually using his X-ray vision to stare through at Silwell <laughs> when she, when she's feeding a baby, you know, when she's breastfeeding a baby. And so, you know, you can see that he obviously craves that kind of nurturing that he's missed through his whole upbringing. But, you know, what we've got now is this absolute sociopath and, and, you know, a a very, very dangerous character. He's brilliant. He is, Dave. You're right. He's just
2: absolutely brilliant. He's just... Everything he does... There's an angle. Whenever people are there, the army are there, he's like, dead patronised Like You guys are the real hit heroes. You know, and the next minute he's going into a building and just destroying even innocent people. He's just chopping them in half with his, yeah. his ray vision and everything. And then he does come out on one of the bits where the army are there and there's someone running off and he fires at them from yards away, which as the series... It's it is, because <laughs> as the series goes on, that sort of cloak starts to reveal itself more behind the cloak, what he's actually really like, and more people start seeing this, and yeah. obviously the, the boys are working in the background, they've, they've had a bit of an incident with Huey, where A-Train's realise who they are, he's gone to Huey's house, he's blackmailing Huey and says he's going to kill his dad, obviously Simon Pegg, and get back here, he does come back, and he, he then does a bit of a sprint round the block, and he's like, yeah, you're stupid, you've not come with anyone. I'd always come... With a backup, but then Kimiko comes in and just absolutely—it's oh, gr- it's like watching Bloodsport Day. They're beating Bloodsport with Van yeah, Damme, yeah, yeah. and he, she comes and just whacks him. and he, and he said, "You were right about not." you know, having a plan, and she just takes his leg out, and his leg just pops out, and they get off, and that's I was grim, like, oh, my, oh, <laughs> brilliant, he's brilliant. But So they're working in the background with all of them, aren't they? And we've had a couple of things where Black Noir had a fight with Kamiko. We thought he'd killed her. That's where, like you were saying about healing powers, I agree. I'd not even took that comparison to so you just said it, but he's very much Wolverine, X-23, days, without a doubt, without a doubt. He's very, very similar character
1: yeah but um oh sorry go on
2: no sorry go on all right
1: yeah and we basically get to find out a little bit more don't we a bit more and a bit more about becca butcher so um billy's wife and you know what what billy's real motivations are why does he hate soup so, quite so much and it turns out that you know homelander he thinks has has raped her and you know she disappeared, and no one knows what's happened to her at all and Then, as it unfolds we get we get to see you know even Homelander himself doesn't quite know what's happened you know he gets to find out that this this uh becca might be something to do with you know what's going on with Billy but you know he goes and speaks to someone who's left you know uh, Vought a long time ago and he says well you know they had this little superhero baby but you know a human woman couldn't actually cope with it so she died and then the 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 little baby died as well and um you know so so we, we basically find out well this is why Billy is so anti soups and why he's so full-on you know he's headlong into trying to take them down
2: yeah i I must admit dave this was the most obvious part of the whole series where i knew that and i know we're going to get into it but i knew full well that his wife wasn't dead i I don't know whether you thought the same everything else has been so unpredictable and so jaw-dropping this was the only section of the film where i thought she's not dead they're not just going to get away with it like that because they, they can't lead on to it after one series. I'm not having it, you know. I just thought, no, I, I can see that there's going to be some twist somewhere.
1: Well, I, I, I kind of did know, um, but I think it's more to do with. I mean, I to be honest, I so I've only read re- so I've only read that first six issues of The Boys, so I, I'm not quite sure, it, it doesn't say what's happened to the wife. Uh, from what I remember in that. So because of the actress, so Chantel Van Santen, she was in Watchmen, she was in uh, Sin City, she's quite well known, and so because she was in the scenes for such a short amount of time, you you know, it's like, I don't know, if you picked, let's pick on Michael Caine, we were talking about in the other day. If you put Michael Caine in for a scene of just, I don't know, two minutes you know he's going to play more of a prominent role later on, you know, because you just don't get someone with that gravitas who's going to just be a throwaway character. So I think because of that, more so than where the story was going, I I did think, you know, no, there's something not right here. And I guess, you know, now we're all thinking, or, or I'm certainly thinking a little bit Game of Thrones where there was a similar misdirection as well about what had actually gone on. Uh, in this kind of uh, abusive relationship, initially, you thought? I, I thought, hang about, there might be a bit of a switcheroo here.
2: Yeah, I did, I did. And we get a flashback, don't we, to where, obviously, Billy's not got the beard, he's clean-shaven, they're at, like, a function for Voight. And he comes over talking to a Dunny homelander, and he, he speaks to, obviously, Billy does, has nothing against suits. He has been going back eight years when she obviously went missing. Yeah. I still think that, obviously, in Billy's eyes, he says that she was raped by
1: Homelander. I'm not so sure, to be honest, Dave. We- no, no. I mean, uh, certainly Homelander says, you know, it, it was very different to that. Says, you know, at the end there, doesn't he, when, when he's got old Elizabeth's shoe tied up still well, or still well, um... You know, it says something like, you know, she came three times, you know. So he's implying that it was very much a consensual thing.
2: And and you know what, Dave? It's very funny because there's quite a few times within this series where Homelander takes no breath when he wants to kill somebody, when he wants to maim somebody. If someone pisses him off, it doesn't matter. He will wantonly... Just take them out, and he listens to the heartbeats and everything. And even says it's like a bit of a theme all the way through. Even with Starlight, when he has a bit of running with her, and he does his eye glow at her. But with Stillwell, she must tell about six or seven really, really big lies. Especially the situation where he lies about Becca Butcher and says I don't know who she is, and then she's like, Oh, oh right, yeah, she was the oh yeah, she was the one who left. Seven, she just left, didn't she? And all this and when we get to this scene at the end, you are right, Billy has got her hostage, he's got the kid upstairs, and then we hear the Superman thud on the ceiling, and Billy's like, oh, took his time, didn't he? Because obviously is now here, and he comes down with the baby. And I I kept thinking, I can't understand why he's been so forgiving, I know he's infatuated with her, but some of these lies have been like, you just wouldn't speak to this person again, even though he's infatuated with her. And obviously... She told one too many lies, didn't she, Dave? Because this bit now was got to be one of the most gruesome endings ever. And I was shocked because, still, well, Elizabeth Shewan... I'm gutted, Dave, because she's definitely not back for part two anyway, for season two, which they have commissioned... He lays her eyes, her face, through her eyes and just melts her face. And you see it all in real time. I was like, oh, my word, this is amazing. It was just fantastic, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it just takes that. One of those superpowers, you know, for our whole life, we've known that Superman has this laser vision. And we just always, you know, we take it for granted. He uses it for good. And we never actually think, well, what could that do to a human body if... If he so desired it to be, you know, and we get to see in a very graphic way. And I guess I didn't think too deeply about it. Again, you'd, you'd have to say, well, someone as big as Elizabeth Shue—is she going to be in it for a second season? If, I'd, if I had a thought about it deeply, I'd have probably bet on, well, no, she's probably she probably wouldn't be interested in continuing the role, but. No, it, it, the way she went out was a bit of a surprise. And and you can sort of see, you say about the lies, but I kind of get the, the impression that Homelander is, is almost playing this naive card to his own advantage. So a little bit like, you know, you mentioned Kingpin there. You know, he's just taking all this stuff in like a sponge. You know, he's letting people tell him these lies, and then he's just... You know, he's finding out for himself, oh, no, well, that was rubbish as well. And, you know, uh, uh, just adding up, but not really letting on that he actually knows. And so I, I, I think you're right. I think he is up there with one of the best baddies in anything we've reviewed, to be honest. Oh, it's fantastic. I, and again, and I'm not just
2: clichéing this. I know Tony mentioned this a few weeks ago when we did our review with Tony. And he said, like I always say it, and we both say it, not just me, we both say it, but you can't have a good series without a good baddie, which makes the goodie look good. And I know Billy, towards the end, he's treading a very, very fine line, whether he's good or bad. But simply put, Dave, Anthony's staff and me and Carl Urban stole this whole series. They were absolutely, I mean it's like some of the best acting I've seen just for believability in the characters. And that doesn't happen very often, Dave. I don't think since Daredevil season one and season three have I been so invested in a series so much. And you know how highly I rate Daredevil. I really, really do like it. But this was just brilliant performances all around. And also it alluded to, which I know we spoke about privately, was we get introduced to... Madeline Stillwell's boss, which I think he's going to be the main bad guy in Series 2, who was also, I think he was Gus out of Breaking Bad. He was the mm-hmm. main drug guy who he ended up killing off, Heisenberg. And he just come in for a split second saying to her at the, the last episode, you better get used to the view from the 82nd floor. So I think that was a little nudge to say I'm taking over the reins because obviously now, this was before she was killed off, but I think he may be the one who'd be coming, because he is a good bad guy. He was definitely good in Breaking Bad.
1: Well, I mean, it it could be him from the Vought side, but it seems like Homelander's been, you know, he's seemingly a Vought puppet, but really he's been creating these supervillains, hasn't he? So he's been, you know, that was the whole reason A-Train stormed through Robin in the first place, Huey's girlfriend. You know, he was delivering, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Compound... Compound V. Delivering Compound V to all these various uh, terrorist organizations and creating these supervillains. And if you've got these supervillains, well, you have more of a need for these superheroes. So it's actually Homelander who's playing everyone. So I I think there will be a baddie from the corporate side. But absolutely, Homelander, for me, is just he's gone through his journey, if you like, and he's season two, he's going to be a proper villain, I think.
2: Big time, big time. And again, as as he kills Stillwell off, Billy, you know, he turns around to Billy and says, oh, there's your plan gone. And he went, oh, well. And, he, and Billy just fires, he's got no bothered, he's not scared. Homeland has said to him, your heart's racing, but you have no fear. You're not scared of me. And that's, that's, I've never come across that with anybody because he's just the hate he has for that man. He will die on his sword, Billy. And he blows everything up. So we hear a big flash of light and the next minute, he's lay on this front lawn, and he's waking up, and I'm thinking... And I, I sort of knew then, Dave, I because sort of, he, he said Homelander before he killed Stillwell that he'd gone back and spoke to his mentor, and he had brought him up and was calling him John yeah, and that. that. Yeah. Uh, he told him the real truth. He crushed him, basically, to get the truth out of him. He didn't believe the story that Becker had died. And at this point, I'm thinking, he's not saved. He's saved him for someone. And I, I, I don't know why. As soon as it panned to the house, I thought... She's alive. Yeah. And she does, and Becca... Well, the, the son comes out first, He's obviously eight years old. He's a very tall lad for eight, I might add, Dave, I've got to say. and Those
1: superhero jeans. Comes...
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, true, true. And he comes out, and, and obviously Homelander says to him, your dad, and both eyes glow red, and Becca's there looking at Billy, and that's how it goes off. Billy's on the floor dishevelled, and Homelander's there with his son with his hand on his shoulder, and I just thought... I can't wait, and I know the filming series too, Dave, as we record this, and I absolutely cannot wait, I've got
1: to say. Yeah, absolutely, and I think, you know, there's been few series that we've watched Mm. where I kind of finished the last episode, and I think, you know what, I think I've probably missed a whole load out of that, and so I think I need to watch it again there hasn't I can't really think of many series I think Daredevil season 3 I thought yeah I could go back and watch individual episodes of that again but I think I haven't got round to it yet but I think I'll be going through this one again and I might go through it rather than binging through it you know in a, in a week or something I might just take my time over this one and just watch an episode digest it for a bit let it occupy my thoughts for a little bit and uh, I, I think it deserves it to be honest
2: So, Dave, just before we go into our review, I know we have not really mentioned a lot about her, but Starlight is quite a a big part of this whole series and her journey. Now, what did you think of
1: her as a character within this? So, I'll be honest, I, I really liked this character. And, you know, as much as anyone else in the series... She goes through that personal growth doesn't she? You get the impression she 's come from one of these kind of uh, second tier superhero teams, and she's in her mind you know you are in the, you are in the superhero business for the right reasons, and she absolutely is but she 's kind of been uh, groom's not probably a great word for it, but she 's been um, uh, she 's been trained. And I'm going to say, it. I'm going to say groomed her whole life by a mum, essentially, to become part of the Seven, the Seven being the, you know, the, the top superhero team that you can possibly be in. And so, you know, as early as episode one, she obviously gets a look behind the curtain and realizes it's actually this kind of seedy corporate world and very macho kind of stuff going on behind the scenes. And I like the way she just doesn't put up with it. You know, she does... She doesn't take the path of least resistance, you know. She speaks out about it. She uh, she's quite smart as well because you know she gets uh, she gets her own way, and you end up with uh, Kevin, you know, the the deep actually being sent off out into the sticks where there's hardly anything for him to do. And I, I've got to say, one of the one of the uh, things that did make me laugh. I mean, this is very much the before. Jason Momoa Aquaman, where Aquaman was a little bit of a joke, wasn't it? And you've got him uh, trying to steal, trying to rescue a dolphin, but then inadvertently smashes it to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) The black humor in this is just absolutely brilliant. But no, and and, and I thought it was kind of a sweet... Interaction between her and Huey, and and then you've got this whole betrayal because she finds out. Well, why was Huey trying to befriend her in the first place? And but no, I I really liked her character, and I thought she came out of it really really strong.
2: Yeah, she she is good, and obviously at the end she saves the the boys as well, doesn't she, Dave? And she had a battle against A Train, doesn't she? And obviously A Train has a heart attack, and she has to sort of... She isn't going to save him. Hughie's trying to save him, and she's like, you need to go, you need to go. And this is obviously just before Homelander strikes with Stillwell. But again, fantastic, because A-Train's absolutely dosed up on this compound V, which is obviously his heart. It's just packed in. He's just like, like if you take steroids or anything and you take too much of it, it enlarges your heart, and that's what I think they were alluding to. So there's loads of messages going on. But Dave, can I just touch on something very quickly? You mentioned the deep... About the deep. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he's obviously in this part of like this nomad place where they've got an aquarium and he's going to be this freak show attraction and he's open to go on these missions and he goes into a supermarket, starts talking to a lobster and says, I'm going to get him out. <laughs> he's talking to, winking at him, which is <laughs> brilliant acting. He gets his head sliced the lobster, done it, and he's like... And every time he tried to rescue somebody through this, he's hurt everyone. But then he ends up, like, copping <laughs> off with this girl. And she goes back to his, his apartment a goes, can I see it? Can I see it? So he takes his suit off, and he's obviously got gills down where his ribs are. And I've to tell you what, Dave, it had to be an R-rated, because this sex scene, she jumps on him, you're a freak! Now, she's got <laughs> a hand inside him, and she's got her hand somewhere else, and I'm thinking well, this is definitely not... <laughs> this is, like, what the fucking hell is going on here? It was, I, th-
1: I think invasive is probably the word uh, that springs to mind, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, like, there's no boundaries with this series at all. I mean, I, I hope we've painted it in a good light because the humour, it does everything, I think, subconsciously. We all think about superheroes and more because it just does everything When you're just, like... I thought that. Yeah, I thought that. You know, like <laughs> where Homelanders film in his house and it's supposed to be his mum and dad. And he has never had a mum and dad, and they have this blanket, don't they? Which was obviously his blanket. And he goes mental. Yeah. He's like, who the f-? And he swears all the time off camera, like, who the fuck's put this in? You know, he, it's so funny because when the camera's on, he has the false smile and everything. But when the cameras are off, he's an absolute arse. And I just think <laughs> the character development is fantastic. Do you, do you
1: remember when Christian Bale went off on one? <laughs> It, it reminded me a little bit of that, to be honest.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was Batman, wasn't it? He was going mental at one of the showrunners. Uh, I think yeah. it was The Dark Knight, Dave, wasn't it? He was really bad, and someone recorded it because of his behaviour. was just awful on set, apparently.
1: Yeah, and then they're on the red carpet, all smiles, waving to the crowd and stuff. And it it just, again, it, it, it mixes up the kind of... Superhero genre with celebrities and that whole falseness and political um, element to it, and I, I, it's just—it's just brilliant. It is. It's fantastic. So,
2: uh, are you ready to go and see a review, Dave? Yeah, let's go. For me, I've not played me poker hand very well today. I absolutely love this. It was, without doubt, one of the best series that I think I've seen on TV for a long time. It's up there with Daredevil series one and three. As I said before, Carl Urban, absolutely revelation. I absolutely slated him when we did Dread a few episodes ago. I really did throw him under the bus. But for this, he was amazing. Yeah, he's got a bit of a Dick Van Dyke, Mary Poppins voice, but you can forgive him because everything he does is believable. It's pure hate and he's driven to try and get the soups. He knows he isn't a physical match, but it doesn't matter. He will take them down at will, and, and as best he can. Fantastic. Anthony Starr, again, Homelander, is the bad guy you dream of in these series. So I think as an overall package, it was brilliant. And I honestly, honestly cannot wait for Series 2. And if you haven't watched it, guys, please get it on Amazon Prime. It's fantastic. So, Dave, there's only one place... That is going and that is to Asgard and I'm putting this alongside the daredevil without a doubt it's fantastic
1: very good now I'm actually kicking myself a little bit because like I said I'd really enjoyed that first six issues and and just never really continued on with it and now having watched this series I am compelled to go back and read the remainder of that series now I I didn't think they'd be able to do a lot of what is in the comic on the screen, but absolutely, they, they've just gone for it. And, you know, I guess having, going straight onto a streaming service, we've seen it with Netflix, haven't, haven't we? You know, so if it was shown on, I don't know, the BBC or something like that, it'd be very much PG violence kind of thing, you know, and I, I guess with the gore that we have some of the sexual themes that we have they they've pretty much just gone for it <laughs> and i think you know the humor that cuts through everything as well is always there you know again you're dealing with these very uh gruesome scenes sometimes you know like uh sticking an explosive device up someone's backside and and then just blowing them up it it's just a hugely gruesome thing and then you can't help but find it a little bit humorous <laughs> and so i think for me i i just i was massively surprised by this i i was kind of i was vaguely interested in seeing it but like i say i thought they'd they'd have to tone it all down but now they because they've just absolutely gone for it i think homelander is a very very good villain I think uh, the way the actor plays it as well, the way he can just switch from that real kind of um, Kal-El, Superman kind of uh, icon, if you like. You know, if you think about it, Chris, uh, he's a lot more kind of smiley than, say, Superman in, in Batman versus Superman that we looked at last week, isn't he? You know, he's a lot more charming when he switches it on. But then the way he just absolutely switches it off that we saw, you know, in that airplane scene where he's just like, well, I can't save this lot. So I'm not going to save anyone because, well, I'll look bad. So absolutely brilliant. I thought I agree Karl Urban stole the show in, in terms of the leader of the boys, but I did like each of those individual characters as well you know, the role that Huey plays, Frenchie, uh, Mother's Milk as well, you know, uh, the female, as she's called. I thought they were all Very, very strong, and I'm the same as you. From where we are now, I just absolutely can't wait for series two. So I I was very surprised by this. I guess I went in with fairly low expectations and having a a moderate knowledge of of the comic books there. But for me, this is going to Asgard as well. But actually, I'm thinking now we've put Asgard as the top of that tree, Um, whereas I guess in this universe, in the boys' universe, it'd be kind of a debaucherous place really but <laughs> but for me yeah absolutely it's going to Asgard.
2: Now oh, that's brilliant Dave brilliant. Now if you want to get in contact with the show guys on Twitter at Comics in Motion p if you want to email the show the Comics in Motion podcast at gmail.com and if you do like the show please go onto your podcast catch it up and drop us a review it just helps us grow and gets us out there to more people and I might have had a break Dave but I have just led nicely into asking you
1: What are you going to lead us out with, Dave? I'm going to lead us out with another plug, which is for the VHS Strikes Back, which is (laughs) our other podcast, which is (laughs) focusing on all of those golden age of home video uh, kind of era movies. So things from, say, the the mid-70s there all the way through to the early 2000s. And in the last few weeks, we've looked at the likes of... Commando, we've looked at No Retreat, No Surrender, and we've had a lot of fun looking at those movies. So if you want to catch that, it's The VHS Strikes Back, and that's wherever you get good podcasts on. So, Chris, how are you going to finish us off? (laughs) 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 Well,
2: Dave, I haven't really got much to lead us out with today, but I am going to do a little bit of an impression of our good friend Carl Urban, and I'm going to say... In his style of Dick Van Dyke. I hope there's a bloody second series, mate. Okay, we'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
1: word. (laughs) (laughs)